Welcome to the Maximooth Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Nicole Saratori. Today we dive into the many shows opening this spring on Broadway. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Why don't we do introductions? Uh, Hi, I'm Aileen and I write for the craptacular.com as the make. Hi, I'm Dave Quinn. I'm from NBC New York. Are your views your own? My views are my own. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my views are my own too. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Nicole from Mildly Bitters Musings, and we're here to talk about Broadway. 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 The spring, the busy season where the avalanche of Broadway openings oh happen, God. and yet they're all unique little snowflakes. <laughs> all right, well, let's start talking about some shows. I'm going to start with Blackbird, which has already opened. Um, it's a play by Scottish writer David Harrower. It stars Jeff Daniels and uh, Michelle Williams, and is directed by Joe Mantello. And if this mm. sounds familiar, it is because it has already had it had an off Broadway run in 2007 uh, at uh, MTC. And so, but this is the Broadway trans. It's not. I'll take that back. It's not a Broadway transfer. It's just the broad. It is a Broadway production of. Is it the first ever Broadway production? Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought it was a revival, but I. It's, it's confusing not. because Jeff Daniels was in the off-Broadway show with Allison Pill, um, and now he's back in the production with somebody else years later. So it is really just, it is completely sort of independent of that original production, okay. I guess. Um, Ooh, and Allison it, Pill, I forgot that she was in that originally. Yeah, yeah. She I was really great. Like her. Um, but it's, I mean, you know, it is a very intense play about a woman confronting the man she had a sexual relationship with when she was 12 years old. It's not a spoiler. That's the plot, and it's been around. Um, and it is sort of the two of them wrestling with the um, life in the aftermath of this relationship. You know, in our culture, with sort of rape culture um, and trauma... I would prefer to look at this play through the experiences of the female character mm -hmm. um, because I think it's very easy to look at this play and be like, oh, this guy just wrote the most uncomfortable series of encounters between two people, increasing discomfort <laughs> for, you know, 90 minutes and then blackout, you know, right. and and you can absolutely look at the play that way. But I think the way in which and particularly Michelle Williams performance here, the way in which this trauma lives in her body and um, has stayed with her and has like sort of essentially scarred her and her body has grown around this scar and she just lives in the aftermath of this trauma is a, is to me the interesting part of this particular play. Mm -hmm. um, now you saw it, Dave. I did see it and I, um, I held my breath for most of the show. It was, it was, I, I really loved this production and I loved this play um, I thought that the performances were outstanding and it was telling it had a perspective that I hadn't seen before about rape and abuse, um, which just really kind of threw me and through my entire world and everything that I thought I knew about that kind of on its side. Um, I think there are a lot of celebrities who come to Broadway to do shows and star in vehicles and they don't actually work very hard. And I don't think you can say that about Michelle Williams. I think that she is working incredibly hard in this show. She has created a character that is supremely unique. I've never seen somebody like that depicted anywhere on television, film, stage, anywhere. And um, and I think that her performance is is really outstanding. And I think there have been some mixed reactions to her performance and I found it to be, it's, it's quite a mannered performance. Mm. Um, and I think for me, it took a while to kind of get into it, but eventually it sort of overtook me and I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. I see where you're going with this. Right. And I really like what you're doing. Yeah. And he was great too. Jeff Daniels did a yeah. great job. I mean, he, that's also a complicated role. There's a lot of complications here. It's nothing is black and white. It's not like you rates me and I'm upset and you're right. I was an asshole. I'm sorry. It's just not like that. I have to say I'm like, I have been sort of terrified of seeing this show because I think if you mess this up, like I'm likely to be enraged yeah. and in like a really bad way. And like, I'm so tired of theater that is so easy on men and just lets them get off with like whatever. And I was like, just worried that this was not going to be as unforgiving as it needed to be. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like it was. Well, let's talk about that. Do you think it's forgiving to men? I think, um, I don't know. I think I probably saw this play in a very different way in 2007 than I see it now. And 
I think how we react to it is ultimately like I think Joe Mantello obviously I'm so glad he's the one directing it because I think if somebody else had directed it it could very easily sort of fall into particular you know I want to see sort of comfortable traps to let the audience be like I was right about this person or about my feelings or whatnot Mm -hmm. and I think the play also you know really keeps trying to push back at that and just say even if you've fallen into a sort of comfort of like I know where I stand on this the play pushes it again in sort of a different direction you're like oh shit now I need to reevaluate these characters um and I and I did actually like I had a moment of sort of like thinking about the female character in particular and the way in which she sort of deals with this trauma which I think is actually I mean I you know I think it's a very unique perspective on trauma because it's not the easy version it's not the you know the lifetime movie version of this story um but i think it's it's a real risk when you have had a really early childhood trauma how that impacts the way in which you express yourself sexually after that how you engage in relationships how you build your whole life after that point is not what I think people think it is. And I think this play sort of opens that up in a really sort of raw and uncomfortable way and makes it, I think, if you are sort of a thinking individual can read the play in that way. I think there's probably a way to read it in a negative light, which would really bother me. Mm. Um, But, you know, as far as I could tell from sort of the critical response to it, I felt like nobody had sort of taken that lens. So I hope that people don't walk away from it but then again you know like i saw disgraced and people walked away from that sort of taking the exact position the play where i was trying not to have people take <laughs> so never can trust the audience i do think that it is one of the best plays on broadway right now i do think that this is a star vehicle worth investing in if you want to go see a show with really good performances and a really well-written play and and um and celebrities, this is the way to go. Like, don't see Huey. <laughs> go see this. Um, it was really outstanding. I don't know. I really liked it. And uh, you're totally right about Joe Mantello. He is the perfect director for that. I would like that man to direct my life, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, please, Joe, help Whatever. us Whatever. First, he's directing Mbop the Musical <laughs> with me and Laura. So all right, perfect. That's back true. Up. <laughs> well, he can direct my life by being my husband. Please marry me. I love you. Go see Blackbird. I loved it. Yeah. Um, okay, she loves me. Oh, she loves me. Um, oh. So that just opened, uh, I think, the seventeenth. So like just this week mm-hmm. um, at Studio Fifty Four. So it's a roundabout production. It's a revival of the um, Jerry Bach and Sheldon Harnick musical, um, which is based on something in Hungarian that I can't say, which was then turned into the shop around the corner, which was then turned into you've got mail. So something Hungarian, I cannot say. (laughs) I wish I knew what it was because I would pronounce it. (laughs) My my Hungarian is perfect. Really? When I say Andrashi Yutka, people are very impressed. Wow. I'm very impressed right now. (laughs) I know. I don't even, I didn't even write down what it was. I feel like we have no Hungarian listeners to even question my pronunciation right now. (laughs) I certainly could not question you. Um, I would never question you. I would. I would write about everything. <laughs> I have the power to turn off your microphones. <laughs> They're all hostages here, you guys. Yes. Uh, it's directed by Scott Ellis and choreographed by Warren Carlyle. Oh, and the book is by Joe Mastroff, who I was like, who is this man? What has he written? He wrote the book for Cabaret. Oh, interesting. Little known musical. Yeah, just that little guy. Um, and. Obviously, Jerry Bach and Sheldon Hardick are Fiorello, exclamation point, and uh, <laughs> another show that's open right now, Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, they're doing well. Yeah, they're doing all right for themselves. I think these guys are going to make it. These old white men. <laughs> doing all right. Um, so, obviously, the reason that this is so exciting for me is the cast. Yes. Um, I saw a concert production of this that was like a benefit for the roundabout like 100,000 years ago, or, or like five <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> and, uh, in theater time. Yeah, it starred Kelly O'Hara and What's His Nuts, who is Ted Mosby in that show about ch- meeting your mother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. He was great, actually, which is horrible. Josh Radner. Josh Radner. Yeah. Thank you. He was also was in a, Disgraced. And was originally supposed to star yeah, in this revival. Yeah, he was originally survival. supposed to star in this with Ms. Laura Benanti. Um, but when I saw the concert production, I could not get over Gavin Creel, which is not surprising. I really love Gavin Creel. And he um, sings a song called Ilona, 
to one of his uh, his love interests in the show, and it made me want to change my name to Alona. Yes, <laughs> it was so when they announced that they were doing this and that they were doing it with um, Laura Benanti, who is amazing, and um, Jane Krakowski and Gavin Creel. I almost lost my mind. I was so excited. Yeah. And it's it is actually a beautiful show in its way. Like it's definitely an old school show. Um, but I was talking with a friend the other day and we were saying that we think the fact that it's set in Hungary kind of gives it like a charm that it wouldn't have if it was set in Ohio. Right. Um, and one of the things I actually really really like about the show and I was reminded of on seeing it this time is that um the sexual politics of the show are actually pretty progressive for the time that it was set in. So like it doesn't judge the female characters for being, you know, interested in having sex and it makes, you know, some body racy jokes and it kind of treats the men who are jerks about that kind of stuff as jerks. So it's, I really liked that it I think had it been like a little more Rogers and Hammerstein about the sexual politics, it would have been potentially insufferable. Um, But it kind of, ages well in that way so yeah you're totally right i there are so many old school musicals that i see revived in situations like from city center encores where i'll be like oh that is actually really a terrible musical like i i like parts of the score but i really don't love the story or so many things are outdated it didn't feel that way at all with she loves me it felt like what is this little gem that nobody has been reviving in a long time i mean it hasn't been on broadway in a while since 1994 and that was the original production in 94? The, the original production in 94, yeah. And it yeah. was, uh, well, no, the original production was in 1964. Oh, The original oh. revival in 94 okay. was also directed by Scott Ellis. He uh, is back again. Back again. And he also directed that concert production and brought back the majority of the cast because Krakowski was in that, Gavin Creel was in that concert, except it was Kelly O'Hara instead of Laura Benanti. And, oh, she's a little busy right now. Yeah, and Victor Garber was in it. And you know oh. I love Victor yeah, Garber. Yeah, but they replaced him with Byron Jennings, who I really oh, love. Oh, I love Byron Jennings. And who was wonderful in this. And, and Michael McGraw was great. Uh, I mean, he was funny and sharp and, and fantastic. And, and I mean, Zachary Levi, actually, who replaced Josh Radner um, when Josh had to bow out, I thought was lovely. Yeah. I mean, I think the crazy thing about this show is like the bit, one of the big famous songs is called Vanilla Ice Cream. And it is this like big, like soaring, crazy soprano, like beautiful, amazing show stopping song. Yeah. Made famous by Barbara Cook from the original. And the second that that song ends, the male lead has to come out and sing, she loves me. And you're like, what? how do you follow Kelly O'Hara? How do you, fo- how do you follow Laura Benanti who has just sung her damn face off? Yeah. And he came out and he just was like, whatever, I got it. <laughs> yeah. And he was great. He had wonderful char- uh, charisma in that, in that show. And I think that he's grown a lot since first date. I which, didn't see first date. So, well, lucky you, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I thought he was actually very good. I mean, we had the benefit of, yeah, he was great, you know, really being able to like see their facial expressions and mm-hmm. be, you know, but I thought that the show would read to the back of the room. It was pretty well. Krakowski does things way. in that show that I've never seen from her before too. She's fantastic. I will never get over seeing her grab Gavin Curl's ass. It was so beautiful. <laughs> I was so jealous of her in that I've moment. I've never been more jealous of almost anyone. <laughs> and he's Gavin Curl's got this like porn stash mustache Ugh, going on. It looks so thing. terrible in the photos. Yeah, but it works really it well work? for the okay. role. Okay. He's doing something like he might be in another show. Like he might be in a different <laughs> show than everyone else on the stage. But like you're not mad about it because right, it's right. Gavin Curl. And honestly, when he opens his mouth to sing, it's just like can I live in this moment forever? Ugh. It's so effortless. And the things that he does are so beautiful and complex and unexpected. And I really think that's got also just like, I don't know, just do whatever you want. Gavin over there. be like, Gavin. Yeah. I'm kind of upset that I never saw him in Mormon. I should have gone. I know. I'm oh. kind of kicking myself. Yeah. He's just wonderful. Anyway, she loves me was delicious. Yeah. It was like, delightful. It was so sweet and, and adorable. And Benanti is doing, amazing things with that role and she was like she when we saw it she had just come back she had been sick um so she had taken like two days off and she was terribly sick and she had like she had gotten if there was bronchitis a, or something yeah, serious. Bronchitis, yeah. and new york time uh, new york mag rather did a, a great profile of her during that time like she had become sick from the medication that she was taking she had an allergic reaction which made her even more sick um but she was so wonderful it was the day before opening she sang gorgeous 
um, things out of her mouth. And she was just beautiful. And her and Gavin Creel, man, just I don't even know where it comes from. And then you saw her right at like curtain call, and she just started tearing up because you could tell that she was most likely exhausted and happy to get through this. And very emotional because she's talked openly about how this has been a dream role of hers, that she's waited for years and years to do this. Um, She's very inspired by Barbara Cook, um, who originated the role on Broadway. So it's like a really sweet journey for her. Yeah. I don't know. It was it's definitely an old school musical, but it's just right enough and just modern enough to be like totally delightful. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll like it. Everybody's you looking like at things. me skeptically. No, I, you will. I love the shop around the corner. So like You'll I'm like already, it. you know, yeah. I would prefer it be, you know, sung in Hungarian, but whatever. I'll take oh it. Oh my God. Can't have everything now, can we? <laughs> I would love to talk about a musical, another new musical that opens actually next week called um, Bright Star. I know very little about this musical, like the bare bones. It's a brand new musical. It is not based on a book. It is not based on a movie. It is not based on another form of entertainment. It is based on a true story. But it is based on a true story. Mm. True story. Which actually, having seen it, is good to know going in. I've often referred to this as the Steve Martin Bluegrass musical because that's kind of all that I knew about it. Although I've heard that the score is actually not as bluegrassy as I'm coming in expecting. No, it is less bluegrassy and more sort of theatrical country but it definitely has a bluegrass tinge there's but it's not like it's not like an alienating or separating like if you're if you don't like bluegrass it's not gonna matter so the plot is being pretty kept under wraps Mm -hmm. but uh aileen gave a great two sentence summary so do you want to go i did sure it is uh the story of a young man who has just returned to the American South after World War II, where he meets a woman for the first time, and it turns out they have a secret in common in their past. Ooh, secret, secret, (laughs) secret, secret. Um, Here's what you need to know. Steve Martin wrote the book along with Edie Brickell. Um, He also did the music along with Edie Brickell, and Edie did the lyrics. We all know who Edie Brickell is, right? Yes. Okay, great. Um, just for those who don't, she's an American singer songwriter, uh, married to Paul Simon, correct? Married to Paul Simon. And not um, that I should be defining women by their spouses, but I think but it's you just cool. Did. And yeah, and I'm excited about it cause I've heard crazy mixed reviews. I've heard people who've loved it. I've heard people who've hated it. I've heard people who were confused by it. I've heard that the end of act one is totally nuts. Incendiary. And it ends in such a way that like will kind of blow your mind, but also maybe enrage you. Um, I've heard just that for a first outing of a musical by new composers, it's an amazing effort. Um, I'm excited to see it because I'm excited to see something going in. It's rare that you get to go into a show with no idea what's going to come your way. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to with bright star. That was my, I went in completely, I did zero reading. So I just knew that it, I, I knew that it was like a true story and, um, I knew that it was, um, Steve Martin and Edie Brickell, both of whom, um, whose work I really like. And in particular, I've liked Steve Martin's musical work for the stage. So I was very excited about that. Um, and, um, I also really like Walter Bobby who directed this. Oh yes. Um, and I actually think that a lot of the direction was very beautiful. Um, but yeah, I knew nothing. My friend who I met up with outside the theater was, gave me that like two line summary that I just shared, but that was all I knew going in. And, um, there were moments that were so, shocking i the end of the first act i literally turned around i happened to know people sitting behind me and we literally turned around and we're like oh my what the fuck <laughs> like it was that crazy to the extent that i'm like i i like i still think about it all the time so which... i'm assuming like what i've gleaned from that is that what happens in that moment is paul alexander nolan just punches d hody in the face <laughs> Yeah, and rips his shirt off at the same time. By the way, he, first of all, he can sing his face off. He's um, lovely. We knew that when he played Jesus in Superstar a few years ago. But then but, if you had to see him in Dr. Zhivago, it was another thing because it was like, it's so frustrating seeing a really talented actor in a really bad musical. Yeah, and he um, he's lovely in this. Um, he sings, he looks beautiful. Um, Carmen Cusack, who is... 
I did not even realize this until the other day because I've seen her off Broadway and I had actually seen her in Chicago. Nicole and I went to Chicago to see Sunday in the Park with um, Jason Danieli as George and she played Dot and she was wonderful. So having seen her a bunch of times, I did not know that this is her Broadway debut. Yeah, it's her debut. And she's lovely. There's a bunch of debuts in this. her show, really. Um, I mean, it's not. There's ensemble. There's A.J. Shively is is the young man who's just come back from war. And um, I really love A.J. Shively. And I think that this is a beautiful role for him. But she just, I mean, Carmen Cusack is wonderful. It's a very white cast. Yeah, that's kind of People were calling it White Star. Mm -hmm. Although the same could be said for She Loves Me. And the same could be said for Blackbird. The all-white season of Roundabout. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is true. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm excited for it. I, again, may be saying different things after I see it on Wednesday. I may come to you guys and say, oh my God, I take it back. Retraction, retraction. Retraction, this was terrible. I want more people that I know and that I know really know theater. Like I saw it with a good friend who really loves theater and we, we are still talking about it and, and, and you know, when we like left the theater and we're like, I have to think about how I feel about this. Um, but I'm excited to have, you know, but like, she's not like as in theater in the creepy insane way that we are (laughs) so i'm really excited for like some of you guys to see it so i can talk to you about it because i just want to like talk through what's going on in my head about it um and and it's definitely a drama right yeah but there's i heard a lot of comedy in it there are some funny moments there are some moments i will be honest that i think are inappropriately funny um like steve martin inappropriately no there are some moments that are steve martin funny that are amazing um and there and i actually thought that there were there were some moments where the dialogue was so good that it actually like stood out to me i was like wow this book is like wow that's great um but there are some scenes that there was a scene at one point that i was like oh you went for the comedy and i get it you were trying not to handle this in a cliched way but you probably shouldn't have gone for the comedy but for a first musical from this team doing something that i think is I don't think we've had a lot of like sort of country bluegrass musicals on Broadway and that they're telling what is it's a true story, but it's still wholly original. I mean, I think that's kind of exciting like that that's happening on Broadway. right? Yeah, now. I kind of look forward to those things, even if they're terrible. I appreciate that someone's trying something new, that they didn't just come here and try and do another recap of another movie. Not that those are always terrible. Once yeah. was phenomenal, I thought, but some of them are just. I think once told a story in a way that musicals were not often told, and yeah. that was what made once feel less like an annoying regurgitation but of something. What's interesting about this is it's playing at the Court Theater, which is not traditionally a musical house. So I'm assuming that there's something that they do that makes the music and the orchestra integrated into the The orchestra's on the stage yeah much there's well there's some up in the flies um on the side like on risers but most of there's a a wooden house in the middle of the set that the band is all set up in and occasionally the violinist and the banjo player um and i think the mandolin player will also come out and be part of the action there's this element of um which reminded me a bit of uh bridges of madison county where the sort of community of actors are very present and on stage and sort of helping drive action and um which in moments there are a lot of moments when they're doing it where like oh this really this really makes sense because this is um it's a story about people but part of the motivating action is like what will the community think so to have them sort of physically there is um it's really interesting i thought that the direction was actually very elegant in some ways so i really like walter bobby so all right i think it's fully fair for me to point out that I do know um personally know the producers of that show who also produce Blackbird um and one of the things I actually really like about them um and admire about their work John Johnson and Sue Wagner who work at Joey Parnes office is that I actually have really liked the way that they've approached producing for Broadway in the last couple of years and so I'm kind of excited to see their work when it comes out um just because I think that they're really smart and young and looking forward to the future of Broadway and trying real hard to make it happen so Great. Um, okay, so 
I am going to talk about Eclipsed. Um, oh. So this is the definitely not white play <laughs> on Broadway. Um, Thank God you I'm know, so tired of myself. I know, well, for, you know, and for good reason. So this is, not, not to be tired of you, I mean, it's, I'm glad that this play <laughs> is here and on Broadway this season. So um, it's a play written by Denai Guerrera and directed by Liesl Tommy, and it's about five women who are caught up in the Liberian Civil War. And it is the first time there is an all-female cast with a female writer and a female director on Broadway forever. I'm applauding that. That's amazing. Woo! Oh, we have a couple firsts like that this season. Yeah. Okay. So, and this is, um, so it's a cast of, uh, of um, uh, both actors from Africa and African-American actors, um, you know, and, and most well known is Lupita Nyong'o, who, um, you know, I'm sure because of her Oscar win has been able to sort of bring this piece. Um, I mean, they did it at the public theater um, not so long ago. And this is a transfer of that production from downtown to uptown. Um, but for me, I think this entire ensemble is incredibly talented and um, makes this play work. And if you're thinking, oh, my God, the Liberian Civil War, that sounds absolutely harrowing. It's actually quite funny a lot of the time, which might be surprising to people. Yeah. Um, it is a very serious subject, and it is very serious circumstances, but the way in which Niagara sort of approaches it, it's about the sort of community of women and their relationships, and um, they're all, uh, they're, a bunch of them are sort of essentially sort of war wives of one of these sort of rebel leaders, and they have, you know, a very sort of complex community amongst themselves, and... Um, and they somehow bring, you know, humor to this very difficult <laughs> situation. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see this. I haven't seen it yet. Neither I, I. My ticket's in April. I'm really looking forward to it uh, because I absolutely love that cast. I've heard wonderful things about it. And I have a big crush on uh Denai from The Walking Dead. So <laughs> Yeah, I always think of Denai as an actress because I yeah. also saw her in Shakespeare in the Park a couple summers ago. So it's interesting. Like I love that she's also like this very serious, very accomplished writer. And yeah. she has two plays right now. She has familiar off Broadway at Playwrights Horizons and Eclipse Now on Broadway, which is yeah, pretty... she's working hard. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm excited to see it. I I've heard phenomenal things about the performances. I've heard really across the board raves about the show. So I've been looking forward to it since the public. I've missed it in like both press nights. So <laughs> I'm finally going in April. Um, and I'm just really, uh, I'm really interested in what they bring. I think what you say about adding humor into that show really resonates with me because I know that humor is kind of one of the things that people often use in times of tragedy to get through it. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how she plays with that. You know, um, I remember reading a book when I was in high school and it talked a lot about how people used humor throughout the Holocaust to survive it. And that there were like, I know that sounds really terrible when you think about it, but there are these two to human impulse. Yeah. It's a human impulse. And, and, and the, the message of that book really was that the only, um, freedom that we actually have in life is the freedom to choose our own attitude. And that is something that has really resonated with me throughout my life. And I try and hold as like a prominent value of who I am. Um, you can approach any situation with any sort of outlook and I can completely control that even if I cannot control the situations of what's happening around me. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, that makes me even more excited about, um, about this play because I'm looking forward to see how they handle that. And I think humor sometimes can be that kind of flicker of life in a place full of death. Yeah. You know, it can be that that moment that sort of reconnects you to I'm alive, I'm here, to I'm your with own somebody humanity. else, right? And, and, let alone the humanity of the people around you, right? So, and you know, so I don't you know, don't go into the thinking like, oh, there's slapstick. It's not that. <laughs> it's that the situation ha- ends up being sort of comedic in the the sort of tragedy that is sort of surrounding them. And these are women who are surviving. And, um, you know, women played a very large role in bringing the Liberian Civil War conflict to an end. Um, and so I think it's a, a, a really interesting rendering of that. Uh, I would also point out that there are, I think in the playbill, there are um, sort of the history of Liberia and all sort of, sort of dramaturgical notes, which were written by our own Jack Moore. Whoa! Oh, yay, Jack! Hey. 
That's awesome. So if you want to learn about Liberian history from Jack Moore. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. <laughs> um, and I only want to mention that they're also involved in this project called the 10,000 Girls Initiative, which brings girls age 16 to 24 who would be unlikely to see a Broadway show to see this show. Oh, uh, as part that's of Broad- amazing. Broadway Education Alliance. So, um, you know, I think it's it's great to try to get people to see work on Broadway that, you know, it's nice to see work on Broadway that is unique and unusual and still achieving these kind of crazy firsts that I can't believe we're still achieving. Um, but also, you know, to bear in mind that um, for young people to see these kind of plays, to see these stories, to see actors portraying um, experiences and representing um, women, you know, on Broadway that we don't normally see, I think it's really important. Oh um, my gosh, if you walk down, it's on 45th. If you just walk down that street, you have Shuffle Along, you have The Color Purple, you have Eclipsed. I mean, it is painting a portrait of a very diverse Broadway that we need to be seeing more of. And it would be nice if it's not just this spring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, carries, or not just 45th onward. Street. Right, yeah. right. Like, let's keep going. Yeah, um, yeah so this opened already. Uh, it runs through June 19th, and tickets are, like, between 77 and $149. What do we have next? We have now Who's American Psycho. American Psycho. Das Musical. <laughs> das Musical. I'm After Rocky, everything, I'm putting Das Musical at the end. American Psycho is at the Schoenfeld. It begins previews on March 24th and opens on April 21st. So that's kind of a long preview period, which I think is interesting. Um, And listen, there are a lot of things that I could say about this show, but like really the only one that I care about, let's be honest, is that Ben Walker is back on Broadway. Yes. Yes. And he's starring in this show and he's playing um, a totally fucked up um american banker in the 80s who um has a bit of a bad habit and not just cocaine (laughs) (laughs) it's worse than that um and so the score is by duncan chic and the book is by roberto aguirre sacasa who um was the book doctor for spider-man that's how i although he has actually done a lot of other writing and and actually works on comics a lot so i think that's kind of interesting to think about um it's directed by rupert gould who first directed it in his capacity as was he the artistic director Mm -hmm. at the almeida theater in london so it had its premiere there i think in 2013 Um, Wow! Yeah, yeah. and that actually that production, I believe they wanted Ben Walker and could not have him, so instead they like all of us (laughs) exactly right (laughs) story of my life. Um, Instead, they just took like some guy who was Doctor Who, (laughs) so Matt Smith. That's it, just that guy. But poor Matt Smith. And yeah, I think I think it was a little rough for him, and was I think sort of mixed reception in the UK, but yeah. I think they're doing some work on it and who knows also because the UK is God love it. It's another It's a country different kind of place for musicals. And a different audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the um, Almeida is not like a musical's house. No, I mean, it's, it's a, a tiny, tiny yeah. little like playhouse. And, um, but anyway, so beyond Ben Walker, who is very exciting, the show actually has a further exciting cast. Um, there's Jen Damiano, who we all remember from Next to Normal and also who we remember from Next to Normal is Alice Ripley. And then there's Helene York, who was the ditzy oh, blonde yay. in Bullets Over Broadway, which is a terrible show, but she was wonderful and I love her. And um, a personal, another personal favorite is Jordan Dean, who, <gasps> yeah. I didn't uh, know he was in who this. I also <laughs> like to refer to as the singing ginger chest because he played Sky in Mamma Mia and he had his shirt off a lot and he's a redhead and he sings like a dream. So obviously you could see why I would call him the singing ginger chest. And, um, Wasn't he also get, go skippy or whatever? He was go skippy in another show with Ben Walker, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I think he got like pieced on by the time the show yeah, opened. Yeah, he didn't But exist, I did yeah. see him for like a hot second in that show. Um, but also Sorry, it's just, one of my favorite credits of all time. Pieced on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they got rid of them. They just oh. cut them out. Yeah, by the time it opened, the Ghost Skippy didn't exist anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because it was really bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was a bad directorial decision because yeah. it's not part of the text, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not. I'm <laughs> going to tell you the truth. I'm really not that into oh Tennessee my God, Williams. It was so funny. But um, I, I love Jordan Dean so much, and not just because we could have redheaded children together. <laughs> Although that is a big factor, right? Right. Um. So I'm. I'm like real real excited about this show which is in case you didn't know based on a novel by brett easton ellis which was published in 1991 and then they made a movie in 2000 with christian bale and 
So this is the next iteration thereof. And the music is, it, it has like an 80s vibe, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe I, I know they were. I feel like they were changing things between London and here, so I I'm not quite sure. I believe it does have a sort of 80s, and I think even like a bit of an 80s, like sort of dance holly vibe. I think this novel, and I haven't read it, but it to me it feels like it's in that sort of continuum with um, Bright Light's big city of like rich or and or somehow privileged people in New York behaving stupidly. Badly. <laughs> yeah so um so i i think the the music is meant to kind of position it there which is interesting because that's not the kind of music that i think of with duncan Sheik as a composer and not just as a composer but also as a musician even his own work which of which i actually own quite a bit um spring awakening actually fell more in line with his original like music pop music so i'm curious to see what this is going to be like so I am also really excited about this based on all the reasons that you just said, except somewhere in the back of my mind, there's this like fear that says, oh, I'm terrified. Ghost the musical. <laughs> and I just, which get, I saw three times. Oh God. Did you I'm, like all, it? All I'm doing is bringing out the weird musicals that everyone hates that I oddly enough really like. So, I, I really liked the ballads in Ghost the Musical. I thought the ensemble <laughs> numbers are terrible. But I will stand by this ballad. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the, those ensemble numbers you where they're like, see me judging. where they're like <laughs> walking around with like black umbrellas, being like New York, New York, New York, New York. You know, like and that that's, was terrible. I'm nervous that I'm going to see a lot of that. Like, well, because it's also like British people interpreting New York, which right. like London is not like New York, and if you did, so they're trying to like do a thing that they don't know a lot about. I, yeah, but yeah, I, this show is like this. I'm terrified. This could go so wrong yeah it could so be terrible wrong. and that's the thing i don't really so what i was saying about that like new york new york new york it's very frustrating when like british people tell new yorkers in new york what new york looks like like i get kind of frustrated with that i i did feel a little bit about that a little bit of that in a view from the bridge where i was like oh we don't talk like that but i was like well, that's because they all had terrible fake accents terrible except fake for mark accents. strong right but it, accent was flawless but then again like the production design really got me in that show so i it didn't bother me as much yeah. towards the end but it was definitely jarring in the beginning um i'm just hopeful that ben walker is shirtless as often as possible in this show so i could at least there's some like swooning. if things are bad i could at least do that similar to what i did in ghost <laughs> that was the best special there was effect some quality special there quality abs i mean you guys that ass. do you remember Ooh. that moment in ghost where they were like projecting images on like a, a see-through curtain the scrim, and then the they had and then they had other images like being projected behind it but there was like sexy things on the scrim and one of them it was just like an enormous butt <laughs> I do remember because I was sitting next to an elderly couple who felt sort of like I was at the theater with my grandparents and I felt a little uncomfortable. <laughs> it was actually odd in that way. I was like, you guys tried to sort of do this so that you didn't have to explicitly show sex on the stage, except that this is actually weirder, more Super explicit pornier. and more yeah. uncomfortable than just showing us sex on stage um, because adults know what sex looks like. <laughs> and this what, it wasn't really a musical for children. Like, it's okay. You can have sex on the stage. Yeah. We, we know what's happening. God, I really hated that musical. Fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. What was that child's name who was in it though? He was so sexy. He was like twenty one years old. He got oh, it. Fleischman. Yep. Yeah. Fleischman. Yeah, it was his ass on the scrim. Come on back. He went yo. back to he went back to London. He's British. I know, but so I want to look at him more. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Here. We we do need more work for him here. Yeah. yeah I agree. Preferably agree. shirtless. Maybe after Ben Walker leaves us to go be a movie star again. <laughs> Richard Fleischman can replace him. Yeah. You guys, I cannot stress enough how excited I am to see Ben Walker on Broadway it's again. It's been a while. And I hear rumors that he might talk about the size and heft of his junk, <laughs> which nothing would make me happier. As a person who has had Ben Walker rub his junk on her in Bloody Mary Jackson. speaking, yes. Yeah, in Bloody Mary Andrew Jackson, it was his job to get, I got the lap dance. Um, Jealous. I just, to hear him talk about it again is going to be, I like blacked out after that. There's like 40 <laughs> seconds of show after it that I don't remember. I really do think that Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson was completely before its time. I think Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson really helped set the stage for something like Hamilton. Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, I know that they were sort of being worked on contemporaneously. I but. still go back to the decision in 20 years to have Hamilton and Bloody Bloody Andrew yeah. Jackson play. In rep in the park. Yeah. I, it's gonna, it better happen. It better happen. But this actually is at the Schoenfeld, which is 
I believe where Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson played. Oh my so God, there's Ben Walker. I know. I'm like, is that bad? You purge, do? purge those ghosts. <laughs> um, I would love to talk about a little musical that you may have heard of called Shuffle Along. Yay! Yay! Musical play, play with music, musical. I think, I think it's, it's a officially musical. A, a musical. So, um, if you don't know what Shuffle Along is, uh, it's a 1921 musical. That was really one of the first all-black Broadway musicals. It was written by black writers. Um, the 1921 production played uh, like 500 performances and featured Josephine Baker and uh, Paul Robson and Lottie Gee. This musical called Shuffle Along or the Making of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and All That Followed, which I got to love a musical that has a really long <laughs> subtitle, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> stars uh, this do this woman, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a Broadway newcomer. Her name is Audra McDonald. A who? <laughs> yeah. I, she's won like a couple of awards, but they're small. Like they're not any importance. Something called Tony's. Six of them, in fact. Um, and Brian Stokes Mitchell. And it also, st- who, by the way, are back together since like 1998's Ragtime. Like they're <laughs> reuniting, which is amazing. And I hope they just sing Wheels of a Dream at some point. Even <laughs> though it has nothing to do with Shuffle Long. I just want to see them do it again. It would be great. And uh, it also stars a bunch of other Tony winners and nominees, including Billy Porter mm-hmm. and Brian, uh, Brandon Victor Dixon and my favorite, Joshua Henry. <gasps> just, so happy to have him back. Ugh, all the Josh I Henry Josh all Henry the time. So just much. put him in everything. I don't even care. Can we just talk about Joshua Henry in Violet for like 20 seconds? <laughs> oh, Can we just talk goodness. about how Sutton Foster had to choose between Colin Donnell and Josh Henry? I know. So like, his choice. Oh that bitch. <laughs> That bitch. I just want to say, like, if I had a scar on my face, neither Joshua Henry or Colin Donnell would look twice at me. Over me now, and I don't have a scar on my face. And I think I have a winning personality. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! So McDonald is going to pay is going to play Guy in the show, and Porter and Mitchell will play the show's book writers. Um, I'm going to say their names wrong probably, but Aubrey Lyles and F.E. Miller. Um, and then Henry and Dixon are playing the songwriting team of Yubi Blake and Noble Sissy. Sisley. I'm so sorry. I'm really bad at pronouncing names. Like, it's the worst. I'm terrible at it. You understand, Nicole. <laughs> Serratora. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I'm excited for this. I've heard wonderful things from previews that began in, uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week, March 14th. And, um, and Saving Glover is going to choreograph. And uh, George C. Wolf is directing, and it's the first time they're collaborating since 1996's Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. Which I thought twice. Oh, I loved that show. It's so great. I never saw it. Do you remember that. that, like, bring in the noise, bring in the funk? It was on the Tonys. <laughs> Do you remember? That's how. I remember, that's the first time I saw yeah. bring in the noise, bring in the funk, and I was like, what is that show? And You're you making me it. think of an NSYNC song right now. Bring in the noise, bring down the house. Oh, that's a great Which song. Which is a terrible song. No, it's a great song. No, it's a terrible song. NSYNC does not have any bad songs. <laughs> I mean, okay, fair. It's terrible I was in the NSYNC girl. like catalog. It's not one of their better pieces of work, but that's what you're making, which is like just horrible. They're all white people. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, this show has no white people in it um, that I can see. And Blake and Sissel's original score from Shuffle Along is going to be featured in the show. And then there's going to be a new book by George C. Wolfe. So I'm excited. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a little wheels within wheels. Like it's a story yeah. of a story of a story. But I'm stoked. Right. And I'm I'm curious whether. I'm sure that they'll come in and say that it's a revival and not an original, but it feels like an original. I don't know what the Tony nomination committee is going to decide with shuffle along, but I really am excited to see the show. The cast is outstanding. You go for the, it is really like an all-star, all-star cast. And the combination of sort of this history and then the, I mean, it just sounds like a really wonderful opportunity for us to see something old, new, right? (laughs) New old. I'm stoked. I am as well. It opens at the Music Box Theater, I believe, on April 21st. Uh, So how about Waitress? Waitress. I'm so excited about Waitress. Okay, so Waitress is going to be at the Brooks Atkinson, and it begins previews on March 25th and opens on April 24th. So another interesting long preview period. That's two days before my birthday, just so everyone's aware. Yeah. My birthday is on April 26th. (laughs) Thank you. for Thanks for just... 
time stamping everything there's just tony qualification but the more important thing is dave's birthday a couple Correct, days before yes. right, yeah. i turned 34 um, and i'm single thank you <laughs> and i really like musicals <laughs> um so this the uh scores by sarah borellis who i'm gonna get back to that in a minute i love her um book is by jesse nelson who i think has done a lot of like hollywood producing and writing i don't know that this i think this might be her first uh broadway work which is the same for sarah borellis um the director is diane paulis and the choreographer is Lauren Lataro. And you might notice when I mention all those names together that those are all women. Woohoo! Yes. And they are actually um, the first all female creative team to work on a Broadway show um, that is multiple people. Fun trivia fact in 1978, there was a musical called Runaways, which was written, composed, directed, and choreographed by one woman Liz Swatos. Yep. Damn. Yep. Boom. So um, and they're reviving it at Encore's Off Center. Oh, I did not know that. during oh, the summer. So They've got open auditions for teenagers to do Runaways. It's like Liz Wallace just yeah. passed away, so it's sort of a in sort of tribute to her. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And um, that'll so- be the last season that Janine Desori is working on the Encore's Off Center. So it's going to be pretty outstanding. Oh, that's neat. So, so yeah. So technically, there was an all-female creative team once before, but it was just one woman. <laughs> Who so, could just do it all? Which, by the way, must have been real hard to make that happen oh in 1978, God. like all by yourself. Who so that's kind the of world? awesome. Girl. Um, and um, just to continue on this train of women's empowerment, last year we had the first ever composing, entirely female composing duo win a Tony for Fun Home. That was Janine Tesori and Lisa Cron. And um, Cindy Lauper in 2013 was the first solo woman to win a Tony for a score. So that's kind of like we're kind of on a female empowerment move here. I know you're making like a Kinky Boots face. I hated but- <laughs> Kinky Boots so much. He just I- hates women. That's what he No, I love women. <laughs> But I did not like well, Cindy Lauper's score I did at all. Not like it either. The thing that's crazy about that is that, like, that was the show where we got the first like right. solo female. Fuck? Like that's that's crazy. Um, that's all right. Sometimes gay people do things that are like revolutionary, and I'm like, oh, damn it, that's going to be <laughs> trivia forever. Yep. So, um, so anyhow, uh, Waitress is based on um, a movie which was written, directed, co-starred, co-costume designed, co-everything. She, this woman busted her ass. Uh, her name is Adrian Shelley and it was Aww. actually it's kind of a crazy story about this this movie that, that was her final work um, just as after she had submitted it to Sundance but before um, she would have found out that it was accepted, she was uh, found dead in her apartment in the city and, and they initially believed it was suicide and they later found out that she had been, her husband insisted that she would never kill herself. And they later found out that she had actually been uh, murdered and staged to look like a suicide. So it was this crazy story at the time when the movie came out. Um, so sad. And, um, and it's, I really like the movie. Um, it is the story of a, young woman who is in a shitty marriage who has just found out that she is pregnant and she's trying to sort of cope and manage and escape a bit from this marriage. And she begins uh, baking pies with like fun storytelling names. And she also gets uh, involved in an affair with her doctor. So (laughs) a little racy story there, but actually it's kind of like, charming sweet. and quaint yeah. and sweet in that way like it's not racy or it's really darling and, and that was um, like carrie russell like that brought carrie russell back on the scene yeah. before the, movie, the yeah. americans like it was it was the thing that people were like oh yeah that's right felicity you're good yeah and the, the cast of the show is super exciting um Nick Cordero plays the asshole husband. Which I just, I mean, can we just say how much I love Nick Cordero? Yeah. I love him and everything I've seen him do. I wish he wasn't playing the asshole here. I wish he was playing the, like, doctor. I do. (laughs) I kind of do, too, but I can see exactly why they cast him as the asshole. I know why they cast him, but And we get Drew Gelling as the doctor. So he's darling and charming. He sings like a dream, and he's, like, beautiful and wonderful. And so that's kind of exciting. Um, Kamiko Glenn, Kiala Settle who I think is like, yes, hilarious she's and she's going to be like, she, she's going to be the best in this. Um, and then, you know, just like Tony winner, Jesse Mueller, just like her playing the lead. So I'm a little excited about that, but I'm not going to lie to you. I am the most excited about Sarah Bareilles' score. I am a huge 
Sarah Bareilles fan, like huge. Um, I've seen her in concert many times, and I I think of her as like sort of like Taylor Swift for like adults who have real problems. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like she's the right kind of a voice to handle this material. Um, and also, I know that she was like a theater kid, so I hope that like I know that she really sort of loves and respects the art form, and and I hope that that. Um, really translates and and yeah, and I appreciate that she says what she wants to say, you know, and lets the words <laughs> fall, out. fall out. Honestly, I really want to see her be brave, though. I do. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrible, by the way. I hope that <laughs> you cut that part out. I thought it would play the laughter, but well, it played I don't know silence. any of her songs. But I I I, I, I know like that you're song. like sing, I'm, I I got that this says that you were making a lyrical reference oh that I didn't gosh. know. Sarah Bareilles was also phenomenal as a judge on yes. the sing-off, which yeah, she was. nobody watched but um, us, I think. I definitely watched it. <laughs> but she was really good. She's very smart. And she's been doing a great job of integrating herself, I think, into the Broadway community. She's showing up at a lot of things. She's being really great with fans and critics and the community members. And I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really outstanding debut. Yeah. I know they've released an EP of the songs of this, yeah, and I have chosen not to listen. Um, although I have heard she has debuted some of the songs in concert so i heard her perform one of them um at uh, madison square garden the theater at madison square garden in new york a couple years ago um i'm just i i think she's the right person for this kind of a story if you're going to you know bring someone you know who's not originally a theater composer in on a piece of work like this she feels like the right person i'd much rather it be her than like taylor swift you know right so, I'm, so- I'm excited and i hear that jesse Mueller's phenomenal in this i mean Gee, i'm so surprised she's really great in everything but everyone that i know has seen this show has been like this is the best she's ever been um and there are a lot of you know uh people pulling for her to win again because that's how good she is. Apparently, she's wow. really that. She's such a Broadway so. darling. Like, I feel like she is that next generation yeah. of sort of the Broadway female performer that everybody like just like unites. Everyone is just such a fan of her. Right. She's the Audra McDonald, the Kelly O'Hara, yeah. that sort of the Laura yeah. Benanti. I think the kind of interesting thing about the women who sort of seem to resonate that way on Broadway is that they are simultaneously completely remarkable right you have to be to be at that level on broadway but they're also so much more accessible than like angelina jolie or like these women that seem to rise to the top in hollywood they're so much more human and real feeling like you could have grown up next door to this person which i actually think is kind of one of the lovely things about broadway in general and i think that's one of the things that really resonates with people who fall in love with theater and become really big fans is that like these people are just like working really hard right in front of you kind of like you work hard every day and then you can like go see them outside the show and talk to them and i kind of love that so it's gonna be playing at the brooks atkinson and i just have one request right now for the management at the brook atkinson theater i would really brooks atkinson theater i'd really really love it if at concessions you had some pies because i am going to want pie after the show there's no way i'm going to see the show and not be craving pie the entire time i saw she loves me we left i was like i want some fucking vanilla ice cream (laughs) like i want pie there's only one song about vanilla there's only one song about vanilla (laughs) ice cream show is about pie right i am going to want pie they need to have pies they sent out to press these like cute little uh key lime pies in jars i hope that they are actually selling them there should be some pie company that like partners with them and well, isn't there I, that pie company that's like right over between like eighth and ninth or ninth and tenth on like 40 something there's like a pie company right in the theater not industry. pie face no no, no 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 another pie i want real delicious like peach fucking cobbler pie like that's the shit i want there better be pie that's just, all i have to I say i want probably merch generally to be better but like <laughs> right. i think that's a great idea yeah like you you can the sell your ice cream all the damn time i know <sighs> I want pie. They have permanent ice cream availability. Why can't we have some pie? Even in shows where there's no intermission, they eat their ice cream before the show. Yeah. They all have ice cream. <laughs> they always eat interval ice cream. So I'm totally down with seeing this, but if there's but no pie, I'm going to be kind of upset. They're going to flip some tables. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be in like the first thing that I start my review with. Bring your own pie. <laughs> Because there's no pie. Outrage. <laughs> Sarah Bareilles is like working so hard. Diane Paulus is like trying to, you know, make sure everything's perfect. And now I've given them a brand new problem to think about. You're like, I want there better be pie. pie. Well, hopefully As... they'll get this early enough. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, we'll exactly. mail them the podcast. We still have some time. 
Um, so as sweet as that is, I'm going to end the note on another sweet little show called Tuck Everlasting, which is uh, based on the 1975 novel by um, the children's novel by uh, Natalie Babbitt. And have you guys read that book? No, no, you didn't read it? Oh, I totally read it when I was a kid, and it's a very popular book in school. And I remember this because I used to work for Macmillan Publishers, who published the book. <laughs> so it was like one of our best, biggest hits among school groups especially. And I think that Tuck Everlasting will be a huge hit among school groups as well because it's kind of like right for the fitting, and there's nothing playing on Broadway right now that I think has that sort of connection to school groups in the same of that age, age group, yeah, that you can get tickets for that you can get tickets for <laughs> yes, Hamilton of course but that's a higher age group this is much younger anyhow I'm really excited about this musical um, because I love the story the story do you guys know the story at all Let I saw me... the movie oh there's a bit there's been like two movies and I I'm think. still a little butthurt that <laughs> Jonathan Jackson is not playing Tuck with oh, his beautiful floppy hair and that's right I loved him. He was wonderful in it. So the story is about a, 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 a I think she's like twelve year old girl um, named Winnie who discovers a family living in the woods near her home, and they don't age because they've like you know they have like a magical spring. So there's magic in it, and it's wonderful. So she kind of gets involved in their with, secret with lives with Tuck. She falls in love with the, the boy Tuck, who you know is immortal. So. It's not going to work out. Um, but Before anyway. there were immortal vampires, right. there was immortal Tuck. Yep. And it's just like a sweet little fantasy. And um, I think this is going to be a sweet little musical. It has a brand new um, composing team. Which Miller is and Tyson. Exciting. Yeah. Do you know their work? Uh, they did the Burnt Part Boys. Uh-huh. Um, and Nathan Tyson is married to Kate Kerrigan, uh-huh. composer, um, which is sort of how I know them. Um, but... I think that everyone who I've talked to is really excited and said that they're like the right composing fit for this show, that yeah. it feels right to have them and their work sort of featured here. So, so this is their first that. Broadway musical. I actually saw it when it premiered in Atlanta oh. and it's changed from that production, but I really loved that production. I thought it was really sweet and charming and the music was nice. Um, so I'm excited about Tuck Everlasting coming to Broadway because I think that it's like we need a fit for the show like that like there are a lot of children's shows right now obviously there's Matilda and there's Wicked and they all appeal to kids but it's nice to have that in Aladdin right it's nice to have that genre infused every once in a while with something new and um, and the book comes from Claudia Shear who you love I love Claudia Shear tell me so about much. why you love Claudia Shear oh my Shear. god so because I don't know I'm not familiar with her work Many years ago, I was a young person, and <laughs> she wrote a play called Blown Sideways Through Life, and it was a one-woman show, and they filmed it for something that doesn't exist anymore called American Playhouse, which used to be when they put theater on television on PBS, and I recorded it on my little VCR, and I played that VHS tape every night when I came home from my sad little New York job when I was 19 years old. And it was like how I got through my life at that point in my life. God, that's like me in the Mbop video. It was... Oh my God. So, and the play was all about her having like 32 jobs in so many years. And her last job is making this show. And so she went and worked for Joe Papp at the public theater and, and became this performer. And, oh my um, gosh. So, and I once bumped into her in the lobby of ICM, the agency, where she was on her way to like a movie premiere and she asked me to check her lipstick and I did. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, fucking, I love you so much right now. Oh my I cannot God. even I articulate Claudia it. Shear. Oh my God. My heart. Um, I knew my cat after her. Uh, so. What? Oh yeah. my God. I didn't realize that That's that was Claudia? his namesake. Oh, oh Claudia. Oh yeah. So, and then she did, later she did Dirty Blonde. Um mm-hmm. Uh, about Mae West yeah. and um, and then the, I forget, what was the Sistine Chapel she did the painting one I can't remember what the name of that one is can't remember <laughs> the it. smell of the kill no no <laughs> she was I'm just looking at her Broadway credits so. oh no it was off Broadway yeah. um, but she was in that play but um, yeah so she's you know she's performed she was she was in Friends she was in that episode of Friends where she pretended to be Monica I think oh interesting do you guys remember that episode yeah. the other Monica it, oh, the Monica. one with the other Monica? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> is that I don't the title? Know. I bet it was the one with the <laughs> or other Or is it the one with Claudia Shear? Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Claudia Shear aside. <laughs> and she'll be joined by Tim Fetterly, Yay. who uh, 
many of the Twitter folks know from not from only the Twitter. <laughs> from the Twitter, but also his uh, children's books or teen novels that he has five, six, seven, eight and the great American, whatever. Um, he's also working on a movie musical for Nickelodeon right now. Oh. This is his first Broadway credit as a he's, writer, yeah. as a writer, um, as a performer, he was in gypsy and shitty, shitty bang, bang and little mermaid. He's insanely funny, very handsome. I have met him once. I have a massive crush on him. <laughs> Um, and remember, folks, Dave is single. I am also single, <laughs> and I'm a wonderful catch. Uh, no, and he's, he's funny. And he's so great, and I'm very excited for him. And the cast is wonderful, too. Carolee Carmelo um, is going to be in this, as well as Terrence Mann, Andrew Keenan Bolger, and my favorite person working in the theater today and forever, Fred Applegate, who you guys may know from The Last Ship. And also from Sister Act, the musical. Okay, nobody knows. All right, fine. Fred Applegate is a wonderful human and a, and a phenomenal performer. Do you know who I'm talking about at all? Nope, not even a little not bit. Not even a little Did you see The Last Chef? <laughs> yes. yes. He was the priest. <laughs> oh, okay. He's so lovely. And did you see Sister Act? Yes. He was, he was the, the priest. priest. <laughs> <laughs> Up top. <laughs> He's God, like the, the nicest. Themselves here He's at the nicest. I adore him. <laughs> So I'm excited for the show. I know that not, not a lot of people are. Um, I am one of those people who is not <laughs> excited. It's fine. About You're not coming show. with me. It's no problem. It's fine. Fine. Don't invite Bye. me. Um, but I think that Tuck will be uh, an adorable little heartwarming show. And again, I saw it at the Alliance and I really loved it. So it'll be kind of fun to revisit. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I want to be more enthusiastic. I, I do like the material and I think that it feels like it will make a good musical. Like if you get it right, it, it's not the kind of stuff where you're like, you're, you're going to make a musical out of American psycho. Are you out of your mind? Right. Like that's, this doesn't feel that way. Tuck feels like it feels right for this kind of a, an adaptation. Um, I'm just, um, I'm skeptical. And I mean, is it, does it sort of strike the tone to sort of bring in both sort of um, adult and child audiences? Yeah, it does. Um, there are a lot of things that are good in there for adults. I think, you know, th- it's ultimately a love story. It's there's complicated emotions happening throughout. It's I wasn't bored as an adult sitting in there. I think the uh, the actress who is playing Winnie, she's um, her name is Sarah Charles Lewis, and she started it in in Atlanta, and she's coming to Broadway with it, and she's eleven. I think she's darling. Oh, wow. So um, it's kind of oh, God, I like and that she's story. Six hundred and seventy five year old Andrew Keenan Bolger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who also and now I've just shown my hand. I've shown why I am not excited about this musical. His, uh, he's I, not my newsie of choice. I'll just yeah, put it out there. Yeah. And it's, it's not that well, he's listen, not talented. Well, listen, if I had to choose a newsie, I wouldn't choose Andrew Keenan no. Bolter either. But I think that he's very talented. Uh, he's very talented and he's a, he's a lovely person. Yeah. So I feel a little, I feel guilt really not being super excited about his casting. But I, I struggle with it a little just because it's not... This is one of those like inside baseball. I'm just like, it's just not what I imagine Tuck being like, which right. is such an asshole thing to think. And, and he could in fact be like, he could blow my doors off. And I, you know, I hope that he does um, because he certainly deserves to have, have roles like this given yeah. his talent and, the, and his hard work and his years and years of dedication to, you know, being a Broadway performer. So I know he reads young from a distance because he, he does really look quite young, but with an 11 year old girl, it's a little bit like the, you know, early productions of spring awakening where it was like five year old Leah Michelle and 20 million year old Gavin Creel or like, <laughs> you know, 20 million year old Ben Walker and his hulking six foot 11 frame. Okay. He's six, four. Um, it just feels like a, a, a tough match for me. And I think that's right. what, if you, if it's right, it's right. And I, you know, and I will be the first person to be like, damn, but well, that was the nice thing it. about that Spring Awakening production, the Deaf West one most recently, is that the two leads sort of had enough of a sort of baby face to be sort of equally baby face. But don't you yeah. think if you're looking for an actor on Broadway to play a role that is an immortal, I kind of feel like Andrew Keenan Bolger is a really good choice. I mean, the fair, dude fair. Looks he probably is immortal. Like he's never aged. I mean, he really he's uh, he's forever young yeah and can sing his face off and like it's 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 a i have a weird relationship to to my feelings about about him in this role because i think he's great i'm just like nervous yeah because yeah also you know why couldn't it be jonathan jackson oh yeah because he's 40 million years old (laughs) like me so my other thing that i will just say is that and this is going to be a little sappy so i'm going to end on a little bit of a sappy note but 
I saw my first Broadway show when I was six years old, and it blew my mind away. And every time I go see a show where there are kids around me who are young watching theater for the first time, it's super inspiring to see them fall in love with a show for the first time, you know, as well. And, and experience that excitement of watching a bunch of people perform. And I think that because of that, and because I'm so in tune to like what that feeling first felt like for me, whenever there's a show that appeals to young people, I get kind of excited about it. Cause I know that it's going to expose a bunch of kids to a show that they've never seen before. Having seen this, I'd rather them see this than Matilda, Ooh. but I didn't like Matilda. It's a big statement. There was no magic. There's so much magic in that book. It's fucking musical. Didn't have any magic till the end. And I was furious about it. I feel you. I didn't love it. I mean, I like some of that score, but uh, and all that puppetry. Fuck Matilda. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> let kids see it. It's great. <laughs> Back to the children. <laughs> Back to the children. There's a lot for people to dig into this spring. Sorry, we always talk so much on this podcast. Sorry, guys. No, no. I think, you know, it's it's a busy time of year. That's why we have this sort of separate episode because there's just a lot. There's a lot of material. There's a lot to comb through. Honestly, barely even scrapes the surface of what's happening at this time of year. And this isn't one of those years where nothing opened in the fall. Like, there are some years where it's like one show opened in September and then nothing else. Like, we had a decently loaded fall season, a little less than the spring, but um, there's just so much happening. I, I, know, yeah. I didn't even bring up Evo Van Hove as the crucible. I mean, like we all probably right. could have added another show to our, you know, things to talk about. Absolutely. So, but I think there are some really great picks in there. Definitely loved. She loves me. Loved Blackbird. There are some things coming that are going to be weird and different like bright star and American psycho. There are going to be some things that are really wonderful for children, like tuck everlasting, some adult musicals like the waitress. I think you have a great diverse season. Yeah. There's all, I mean, I feel like you, there are different kinds of music. There are different kinds of stories. There are different kinds of performers. There's different kinds of focus. Like there's just, I mean, you can't complain that the season is not. The thing that is sort of amazing about this year in a year when everyone could have balked around Hamilton. Yep. Everybody was like, whatever, bring it. I'm bringing my show to Broadway and I'm not even, I'm not even sitting back and not trying to win some things. Like I'm here for real. Bring it yeah. on. And for, I, I think that's I awesome. think you're, I think Dave, you know, to your point, like if people can't get tickets to Hamilton, they're still coming to New York. They still want to see something they're, you know, why not have other options for people? Yeah. Right. So I'm, I, you know, I mean, I remember joking back when stuff started announcing for this season, like, Oh, look at all the people who are going to lose to Hamilton. <laughs> but right. The more I see and the more, you know, time stretches on, I think like we have a really credible season and, and, you know, quite, it's quite the time on Broadway right now and it could go any way. I mean, not every awards, you know, some of those are locked down already, but right. it's going to be exciting and I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. And with that said, how you guys... lucky we are to be alive right now. <laughs> and with that said, <laughs> let's end by quoting Hamilton. <laughs> I'm an asshole. I know. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. You can find us all on Twitter. Dave is at 9Daves, N-I-N-E-D-A-V-E-S. Aileen is at The Craptacular, T-H-E-C-R-A-P-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. Maximu is at Maximu, M-A-X-A-M-O-O. And I'm Nicole Serratori at Mildly Bitter, M-I-L-D-L-Y-B-I-T-T-E-R. Folio.